Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blindfold Off Podcast, where we take off our blindfolds and open our eyes to new views, topics, and discussions. My name is Emmanuel LKD. And you already know, it's your boy, Ernest. What's up, guys? What's up, y'all? How you doing, Ernest? I'm doing good, dude. I see you back there with the shaker bottle. You've been uh, eating, drinking your protein. Yeah, bro. My protein, boy. Protein. Shout out, Johnny. Shout out, Johnny. Yeah, I'm trying to get big or just, you know, just look good you know just look good just look good hey i see you uh repping the that uh that merch from our boy yeah hey, yo, shout, shout out, out to carlos quick? anthony guzman for his live for the moment merch yo check it out this is one of my favorite selections from his drop check it out y'all it's definitely really fresh definitely really fresh so what you do today besides uh wear the live love for the moment shirt oh today was my third day working at the call center, just calling people, making appointments. I was on my Will Smith, not because I felt like smacking someone, but because I had to like get that determination to keep calling and keep calling. And oh, it's so tiring. <laughs> but he's talking about the pursuit of happiness, Will Smith. Not yeah, pursuit Oscar. of happiness. Not Oscar's Will Smith. Such not a good movie. Oscar's Will Smith. <laughs> All right, boys, ladies and gents, you already know what time it is. Without further ado, we have a really special guest that I'm really happy that he was willing to do this podcast because he has a lot of good information. He's willing to open our eyes to a new part of society that doesn't really get its recognition. And not only that, he's a great person with a great personality. And I'm really glad for you guys to get to know him. I'm glad he's, a, he's allowing us to really get to know him as well. Without further ado, Travis Baker. Let's go. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap. Yo, yo. <laughs> What's up, Travis? What's up, man? Talking a little bit before. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, you had to take a couple of practicals today. Yeah, just trying to catch up with everything. It's been a long last couple of weeks. Yeah. So can you uh, give the people a little bit elevator pitch synopsis on who you are, what you do, why you're here? Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously my name is Travis Baker. I came out to Arizona three years ago to go to school at the U of A, um, specifically for wheelchair rugby. They're the best in the nation, back-to-back national champions. Um, I was injured back in 2015, uh, which left me as a quadriplegic. And so that's how I ended up finding all of this out here. And i uh, just been grinding, junior, hopefully trying to finish up everything, you know, just these last couple of weeks, get to the summer um got this usa local point team that i've been training for so trying to make the tournament squad for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's pretty much it mm. how's uh how's competing like how's your mindset competing oh man i love competing i've been like one of the most competitive people out of everybody i always go around my entire life so like i'm the kind of person that doesn't like to lose in a game of sorry or <laughs> you know like a couple of card games and i'm just like what do you mean you don't care if we win or not? <laughs> uh, you get nervous at all? Like, do you get, like, pre-game butterflies or, like, pre-practice, like, butterflies? or? Oh, yeah. No, not necessarily pre-practice, but definitely pre-game butterflies, especially big-game stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my whole life 
And it, that's actually like one of the best feelings that I enjoy because mm. it's just a, uh, like there's not many other times, you know, you get your body and your mind just to feel like that in that moment. And uh, if you learn to dial it in, it can be fun, man. Cause then you live up to the moment. And that's what everybody wants to do. Yeah. I know like for me, like playing on big games and like stadiums, it's definitely hard to kind of put your finger on like what kind of emotions they are, but they're definitely good emotions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that, uh, you know, late in the game, it's last inning, get a guy on second, you know, we need somebody up two outs. I want to be that guy. At the plate, yeah. So, mm. yeah. What's the, what's the biggest game you had to play in so far of your life? Uh, ooh, man, I don't know. Um, I feel like it was more like segments. So, uh, you know, like I played in uh, a couple of national championships, well, a couple of, sorry, championships in my league when I was younger in basketball, uh, seventh and eighth grade, and then some Cincinnati tournaments that we were in. And then in high school, we went to state, played in the state semis. So that was a pretty big game, a couple mm -hmm. of regional finals. Um, and then just recently, we just competed in the national championships for the U of A with our rugby team. Oh, snap. Yeah. How many uh is it crazy having a big stadium with a bunch of people in it? Just oh, watching yeah, it's cool. guys on. It's cool, man. It's been I a while remember, like, what's up? So at a at Bethany at the college, we played in a, a pretty big stadium and kind of like being in the batter's box, you don't really grasp it until you turn around and you see everybody like looking at you. Yeah, like dang, all these people are here to watch our team play against the other team. Like it's pretty it's pretty surreal. Like they're taking time out of their day to go watch you guys. Like, yeah, surreal. no, it's, it's cool. That's so, uh, since my injury, I really haven't had like a big sports moment. Um, it's just like my old team was not very good. So I don't mm. even know if they've actually been to nationals, um, ever in the history of the organization. But, uh, so I came out here and they we eventually made it for the championship game and and they announced us as we came in and they had like these sparklers going off and the mm -hmm. whole crowd was in there and then they had the, the music that we rolled into it was cool yeah well that's dope yeah. so, so was it after your injury that you got to experience that, that you got to experience to be able to play in, in these big stadiums or did you have any experiences before your injury too uh so i had a little bit before specifically for baseball yeah. Hmm. So the biggest one, I mean, we did, we did like different college tour tournaments where we would go to different States and, you know, play in division one colleges, like at their stadiums for different tours. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest one was probably for my high school when we competed in the state semis, my junior year, we went up and uh, it was the Huntington park stadium up in Columbus. And I believe it's one of the minor league teams up there, maybe an independent team. So yeah. it's had a ton of people and there was a the stands were filled we had to stay in a really nice hotel right downtown. Oh, oh dude. Those moments are like ones you're never going to forget, too. Oh, yeah. Because it's like a moment that's like synonymous with the feeling as well. Because you're like, dang, like the feeling of just being there and kind of letting it sink in. Like sometimes even after the game, you don't even get time to let it sink in because you got to get on the bus. Like especially if you lose, right? everybody's like pissed. Oh, yeah. You're so mad and just bummed. Especially if like it happened on some crazy – like we ended up losing, we sat for a four hour rain delay and ended up losing uh, on a walk off hit in the last inning. Dude, that's so, the fucking worst. Oh man, oh, dude, dude, is, that is the fucking worst. Did your pitcher, uh, did your, 
did the pitcher that how many innings was it before the rain delay or was it Not, uh, we didn't even start the game yet oh you didn't even start the game yet no yeah we got to the field and we were doing all of our stuff now the nice part was that because it was such a nice stadium they had like locker rooms and everything back there like lounge areas with tvs and whatever and then they had like uh you know your different nets and batting cages so you could get up hit a little bit of bp if you wanted to mm. or just go chill yeah mm. yeah um how is it being a part of these guys in the Olympic wheelchair, like rugby team, especially like you're training with them? How is it? Are they kind of like, I feel like those types of people, they have like this type of Jordan or Kobe mindset where it's like they have Kobe and they have like the Mamba and immediately you step on the court. Like it's all, it's all Mamba and they turn it on. Oh yeah. It, it, that is exactly what it is. It's all type a alpha personalities. Um, you know, like, I was talking about how competitive everyone that's at that level is just as competitive as me. You know, like we all, we all ended up getting pissed off at each other sometimes because we can't even, you know, like it'll be just a silly practice drill and we're competing with each other. Like, yeah, but I want to win. Yeah, of course, dude, yeah. you can't like, yeah. there's like a certain type of, it's not, you don't really want to say it, but it is ego because you're like, because you're like, damn, because if I lose, like he's got that against me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. and with those type a's too it's like it's kind of like they always keep a memory bank of like wins and losses wins and losses they remember absolutely oh yeah everything. oh yeah well so that's that was one of the problems that we started getting into me and uh this one guy we're the same age and yeah. we're both extremely competitive probably one of the worst on the team and uh we'd be going in uh it was kind of like a head-to-head -head drill but he has more function so it was more like um two against one against him Mm -hmm. And we would get stopped, and I'd go, "That's plus one," you know. And, uh, <laughs> we would get one, and then he'd be like, "That's plus one for me," or something, you know. Like, but we would get so mad at each other that we had to stop doing it. So, <laughs> dude, it's the worst when you have like a shitty day, then you then you know that dude's annoying. He's gonna say it. And you're, like, oh man, yeah. you're like, bro, just shut up, please. You're like, <laughs> yeah. please shut up. Yeah. Have you guys ever fought? Have they got on the point uh, of fought? No, not nothing fist straight up but uh we definitely have argued actually that day i went to reach for the ball and then i got my arm caught uh and then he pushed through and then uh, i i bared down you know and when i bared down i kind of cranked his jaw a little bit ooh. so how yeah, does that how does that look like can you uh i don't know so i like reached out to the side i don't know if you can see me so i reached out to the side like mm -hmm. this to try to swipe the ball away and he tried to push through me so i just bared down like that oh and my glove, my glove that was on my hand kind of had him here and just like turned his turned his head so dang yeah it wasn't hey. good what kind of <laughs> what kind of glove are you what kind of gloves are you guys wearing playing wheelchair rugby because i remember watching it i watched uh i watched some of murder ball and i watched um in 20 the 2016 australia versus uh usa i watched that too and oh yeah I don't know what kind of gloves you guys are wearing. That's what I was wanted to ask too. Oh, yeah, aren't they like it's sticky? all kind of uh, so the gloves themselves you can buy sticky ones, but most of the time we take we tape so much over top of the gloves. They have okay. so much abrasion that they have to take. So like a lot of guys, they'll do reverse tape so that the tape is sticky, or uh... they'll reverse duct tape, or like uh, a lot of the low pointers. We just use like different variations of rubber rubber. And then uh, the wheels, the rubber just contacts with the wheels, and that's how we use it. But mm -hmm. we, we do use this uh, stick'em stuff. It's spider tack, which is what the strongmen yeah, yeah, yeah. use when they do the Atlas stones. 
So we put that mm-hmm. on our gloves and then we put it all over our wheels and then it helps just make sure that we're not mm-hmm. slipping or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Is right. that allowed or is that kind of like a like a thing the players do? No, it's allowed. They don't like to uh I don't know internationally actually. But a lot of the tournaments, they don't like you bringing them because it can dirty up the floor and stuff. So they, okay. they try to say, like, leave it in the locker room or something. But Doesn't that stuff get on the floor, though? So let's say, like, you stick and you, like, plant and you roll again. Is it – do people end up falling over and kind of, like, tumbling because of it? No, nah, it's it's more so on the outside of the wheel where you're pushing. It's not on the tire. Mm-hmm. So, like, the stuff – like, you'll get, uh, like, scuff marks or, like, little pieces of rubber on the floor. So that's what they don't like. Or like sometimes if it gets dumped over or something. But for the most part, we keep it off of our tires. Mm. Yeah. Since so we're the, on the topic of wheelchair rugby, can we take like a few steps back about how you got introduced to wheelchair rugby and how you got started? Yeah. Uh, I was actually, so I did all kinds of therapy post-injury at different places. Um, did some down in Atlanta. I did some in my hometown in Cincinnati. And then I actually did a program up at Ohio State while I was up there, I would go to therapy and then there was a little like rec parks and rec center that I would go lift because I like lifting on top of the therapy. And while I was there, uh, one of the guys that was working there was a quad and uh, he actually was the coach. And he noticed just by looking at my hands and me working out, he said, hey, man, you got this thing uh, called wheelchair rugby. You want to come try it out? And I was like, oh, I've heard of that. Uh, while I was down at Shepherd, I watched some of the guys play and I was like, oh, yeah, dude. So um went there to practice one Sunday morning and just fell absolutely yeah. in love. Yeah. It sounds like fun. That's dope. Oh, yeah. Um, can we ask about your injury? Like, how were you injured? Like, when did it happen? Like, what was kind of like everything going on at that time? Yeah. So I was 19. Uh, I'd just been working full time, got hired at a new job for three weeks uh, was loving life, honestly, you know, like was, was digging it, was planning to go back to school, um, and went up to Cedar Point one day to it's, which is a, a big roller coaster amusement park. Mm-hmm. And, um, on our drive back, I had to open up the gym the next morning. So went to sleep in the back and then we got hit by uh, mm-hmm. a drunk driver and, um, flipped our car and then threw me out and I broke my neck in the process. And yeah. yeah. Shit. I'm wow. sorry. So, nah, it's you know it happens, it happens uh, more than it should, but it really it does. Yeah. yeah. I do. Oh no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, this no, is, go ahead. That's just kind of tough. How are well? Obviously, like, how long did the rehab process take? Man, that took forever. Like. Until I became independent, it probably took like a year and a half to two years straight of just working my ass off six, mm. seven days a week, year round, just nonstop doing what I could do. Like I did like uh, more like cycles or segmented where I would do therapy and learn a lot of the stuff that I needed to work on and get better at. And then uh, once I learned how to do that stuff, I would try to lift and gain the muscle in order to make it easy. And then once I was ready started something new you know so mm. took me a while mm. rugby actually um was my first ever independent trip away from home oh, really? uh, just pretty much oh. yeah my teammates were like dude come on man like this is how everybody does it and uh just threw myself to them and they're like we got you drove a six-hour trip with me and one of the other guys to uh chicago and i've looked back what are kind of like some of the first steps like you did during rehab if you could remember 
So, uh, man, I was, I was pretty, um, injured. So I remember early on, like I couldn't move my arms, you know, which I think happens to a lot of people, uh, just as like a shock factor. And then after they start to regain a little bit of function, um, I guess it also depends on how severe your injury is, but it took me a long time to even be able to, uh, put on my shirt. I remember getting to Drake, which was the rehab center I went to and, uh, like three weeks maybe or a month post-injury and my pt came in she's like all right we're gonna try to put on a shirt today my family was there and i'm like all right let's do it and i tried for 45 minutes to get my arms in the sleeves and i couldn't even get it over my head and um, actually talked to my dad about it later on and he goes dude man it's like i'll be honest with you i never thought you were gonna be able to put your shirt on ever again so mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just got working from there you know just building up uh, my shoulders since that's where i had the most function and trying to you know as you regain function up to like like really with mainly within the first year and then up to like two years out um and then you, from that you just kind of try to build muscle on top of what you have and then go from there how mm. how was it mentally did you kind of have like a denial like stage or like grieving because you were like or were you just like damn like i was grateful for like what i have or was it more like i'm grateful like i'm still alive um it was kind of a little bit of everything i didn't really have like a denial stage or like a stage of grieving so to speak it was more so like i would have a couple of bad days here or there mm. um so you know like just different times wouldn't even be a day necessarily but you do have it to where like you'll have an injury specific thing and then it can ruin your day for you so you have those but for mm. the most part i just like you know, I guess it was my competitiveness, my stubbornness looked at it as another challenge. So I was like, fucking, mm. let's fucking get on the horse and let's go again. Mm. Did you- it's almost a blessing in a way that you had that competitive mindset to just kind of reinforce you to keep going. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was just, it, it was, uh, it was a whole, like a lot of people grieve and they do things differently. And I got asked uh, while I was in inpatient still to go talk to somebody else who just got in there and he actually had more function than I did and uh, he didn't realize that but I did just because I you know I was paying attention I had a couple weeks out and uh, I was the one talking to him like yo dude it's gonna be okay you know like just keep grinding and it's just kind of funny how you go you talk and then uh, I've done that some at some different schools and PTs and stuff but it always comes full circle because our whole community just always is like giving back, you know, and that's mm-hmm. how you learn and teach. Did you have any like mentors or people that help you got, get to that time that you really want to thank? Like, like who are those people that like really were your rock in a way? Uh, everyone, dude, literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Like it, it takes a, whatever the saying is, it takes everyone, you know, to build and to, to do it. Like my family is, probably the greatest family i know everybody says that but i have a a very large family we all stay really close Mm -hmm. and the whole time i was in the hospital i'm getting letters uh you know people are coming and visiting me from out of town like we're talking tennessee to ohio some people were even flying to see me i actually had a foreign exchange student that uh went to high school with and he lived in cancun and he flew back while i was in the hospital and came and visited me so it was really just a group effort Mm. wow that's real yeah it was it was awesome man my high school did like a whole prayer service for me the night of so they all got together and they were making posts like on my social media on my facebook page that i didn't realize because i was you know going through everything mm. um but 
yeah, so it was cool. So I had a lot of support all through everywhere. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm glad you did. That's that's honestly super. It's it's beautiful because it's like I love how people come together just to support one person, and it kind of like shows you like, damn, all these people love me, and there's absolutely like no way oh, yeah. like no one loves me. Yep. Yeah, my when I got injured like two hours away from home. So that's where I did my hospital stay because that was the closest um, level one or whatever it is, helicopter ride to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And my family was driving on their work days. You know, they were coming up two hours there and back and they'd stay as soon as I got off work for like four hours and then drive back home, sleep two hours and go into work, do the same thing. Yeah, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, my stepmom and my dad, um, they actually, because my accident happened at night and I was in surgery for 12 hours. And uh, so they stayed up all through the night to the next morning. They had all worked that day too before, and they were just beat, you know. And then uh, my mom was there, and my grandparents were there, and they were like, "Yeah, just go home. Like, just you guys need some sleep." Blah blah. blah. So they go home, and there's a little pizza place right across from our house. And they went in there to order some pizza to get it to go eat, and then you know go to sleep. And they fell asleep in the pizza place. Just just got knocked right on the couch. Shit. Wow. Yeah. What kind of a surgery did you have? Uh, so I had my injury, I guess they described it as like a dislocation. So mm -hmm. my, my neck snapped into like two places. And then uh, the one six just got locked in front of the seventh vertebrae. So oh, I had like okay. this stack of vertebrae and then this stack of vertebrae. Um, so they tried to go in from the front and they couldn't do what they needed to do with my spinal cord. So they had to call in another surgeon, flip me over to the back. He had to pull my spine, put it back into place, put some plates and screws. Then they flipped me back over again, and they did uh, the neurosurgeon finished out the surgery. Mm -hmm. So with the spine yeah. injury, so with the spine injury, I know a little bit about it. Like, isn't it the higher the level in the spine of your neck is like the more like disability you have? And like the yeah. lower is like the more ability that you have. Yeah. So each level of like each vertebrae in your spine generally has a correlating uh, nerve with it. And that nerve is responsible for different um, feeling, sensation and motor function throughout the body. So wherever you get injured, basically from there down, you lose all of that function. So if you get mm -hmm. injured at the very bottom of your spinal cord injury, you're only losing, you know, from there down. But if you get injured in your neck, you're losing from all the way in your neck all the way down. So mm -hmm. what happens to the nerve specifically? Is it like it doesn't get clipped, but it kind of gets like like um like shredded in a way, like to where it can't get any nerve function anymore or feeling? Um, it can be different depending on your injury. So like uh they use the terms incomplete versus complete. Mm -hmm. And uh complete injury is a severing of the spinal cord. So okay. it actually is just straight severed. An incomplete might be uh, a hard bruising, you know, like an impact or a tear or a stretch or something. Mm. So, and then that can determine how much uh, function you regain or, you know, like the actual severity of the injury itself. Mm. Yeah. And then I think it has to do with uh, like swelling. So you, you kind of cut off the blood supply and that connection to those nerves. Uh, and then there's a lot of scar tissue that builds up. I, I like to think of it as like uh, two sides of a uh, city. And they're connected. There's a river that runs through them, and they're connected by a bridge. And basically, when you have a spinal cord injury, I think of it as that bridge collapses. 
so nobody can get to the other side. And okay. that's the signal from your brain down to your body and from your body back to your brain because the sensation and motor works in different ways. Um, and so it just can't get there anymore. They still work, you know, like all that stuff theoretically should still function if you could reconnect that, but mm -hmm. there's just no pathway. See everybody, you can tell if Travis is smart because he could put it in lamest terms. <laughs> yeah. he, can, he can tell Travis is smart because he could put it in easy terms for everybody to understand. Yeah. Even a nine-year-old. Even a yeah. nine-year-old could understand that. <laughs> uh, it helps with me with my learning. I feel like yeah, if I course. can connect it to stuff. So. Of course. Um, how did how did you like feel when they told you like man like you're not gonna walk again like and you basically lost like half your function like how did how that kind of like process because so all i can was, do is kind of empathize with you i can't really like sympathize because i've never right no mm -hmm. that was uh it was definitely weird i mean to hear that mm. it was uh it was more so like i didn't believe the guy necessarily right then um so i was like yeah all right you know like whatever because uh, a lot of people throughout your life, they tell you that you can't do something, then you prove them wrong. And you're like, mm -hmm. all right, cool. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like, ah, you know, like maybe I can't, maybe it is. I don't really know what all that entails. Um, and then like further out I got, I was like, all right, obviously like this whole walking thing probably isn't going to happen again. But, you know, like let's try to focus on what I can do. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then just try to focus on that. Really walking, uh, I know a lot of people think when someone's paralyzed that, like walking is the worst part and obviously it's it's great to walk but there's so many different things that go on with your body that make it so much harder like pain and just other stuff mm. that that's that's more of a worry than anything okay mm. there's kind of a lot of function and psychological things that go kind of unnoticed to the normal person that we kind of take for granted yeah not until like oh, yeah. you're in that situation or either you're studying in school or classes that you really kind of get that door open to you where you're like damn it yeah. takes a lot just to literally walk or move my hand or fingers or whatever yeah no it is that's one of the things actually i've, I've told my mom that before i just told her recently um and it's like that's one of the blessings of having an injury like this is there is no way that an able body or someone who doesn't have an injury, you know, similar to where they lose function and have to regain it or never do. There's no way that that person will ever understand and have that appreciation for life on the level that we do. So it is almost a blessing in disguise. Yeah. It almost reinforces how, what you talked about with, your community being so close-knit, being so encouraging because they know what it's like to lose something. So they really want to treasure the people that have lost something. So, so that's what I really like, liked when you told me about your community. I'm like, dang, that's such an uplifting community. I'm like, and it's not like something oh, yeah. where you're just losing your car keys. You're literally losing like almost your life and you're like not able to walk anymore. Like it's tough. Yeah, no, dude, they, and a lot of them, man, like, they, they dropped a lot of stuff, you know, like my grandparents, luckily both sides um, were retired, but I had both of them driving me before I could drive to and from Columbus on the weekends. And then we ended up getting an apartment up there and my, uh, my mom's parents were living with me, you know? So they literally like, they took time out of their house, out of their lives and came mm -hmm. in with live with me there. They, uh, my grandparents, both of them, and my mom and my dad all split time down in Atlanta when I was down there for six weeks. 
they've come out and visited me out here. So that's beautiful, man. That's so beautiful. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, Actually, uh, just reminded me, I sent a group chat to my family the other day, a screenshot. And it was in April, because you know how uh, Facebook will do like memory stuff? Mm -hmm. And um, back in 2015, which is when my injury happened, but my injury was in May. And in April, I posted on there that, uh, man, like, I'm loving my life or I live a pretty damn good life or something like that. And then I sent it, I screenshot it and sent it text to my family. And I was like, no, this is still true. Like, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't be out here in Arizona, compete yeah. for a national day. It's kind yeah. of nice how you kind of just flip the story and you're like, man, it's, it kind of shows everybody like, in in a way you kind of, I really want to ask this question before I comment. Cause, um, did it before the injury, did it kind of show you like how, um, grateful, like you were like, just to be able to walk and kind of gave you like a new insight on, on stuff like that. Yeah, and kind of I mean, like what these people go through. Uh, you you mean in reference to who? To uh, like quadriplegics and para, so before my injury and stuff like that, dude. Like I think this is the way with a lot of people. But before my injury, I didn't really know much about it. There was actually um, a very big family in my community growing up in my hometown in high school that had someone in their family become a quadriplegic, and I had no idea until after I became a quadriplegic. So I really had no idea. Now, I was around people who really love nature. Like, I was lucky to have a soccer coach when I was younger that, like, hardcore emphasized every day he saw me. You know, he would say, make sure you enjoy the little things. You know, the trees in the sky or the trees, the sky, the, the clouds, the birds, everything. So I was lucky enough to have that to an extent growing up my, um, in my life before I got injured. But then, obviously, since being injured, I have been able to to appreciate it on another level mm. literally stop and smell the roses yeah for real man mm -hmm. every time every chance you can get to enjoy something man life is beautiful mm. it sucks um, at times don't get me wrong it definitely does but right. <laughs> do you feel like you're put in a position to where other people have to view you as like them being grateful like they have to be grateful with life because they see what happened to you like do you feel like you're put in a position like by default to kind of yeah. be that it happens. It happens a lot where there's this immediate, um, I tell people they, somebody will start complaining about something. They're like, Oh, you know, I shouldn't complain. Like you're dealing with all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, dude, like it's fine. Everybody complains about something. You know, we're mm -hmm. all, we're all dealing with our own shit. Yeah. So do, um, when that situation happens, do you feel like they kind of view you as less or anything like that? No, I think, what ends up happening is, is people just, they feel too bad, too much. You know, they assume that mm -hmm. because somebody is disabled, that they're living a bad life. And yeah, they might have to go through a lot of shit and their life might be harder in a lot of scenarios than other people. But like, mm. there's a lot of people I know that are living a fantastic life and then they wouldn't trade that shit for anything. So people mm -hmm. kind of assume that immediately. Mm. Mm -hmm. That definitely does happen. Mm, that's a good answer. Yeah, I remember me and Ernest were talking about this one time about how do how do paraplegics feel about or uh, let me rephrase my question just like or my common question is like me and Ernest talked we had a whole conversation about 
how how people in society just see see paraplegics as less than or not less than but like looking down I, I don't know what's the right phrase to use but I'll just say like like looking down on and I remember watching this uh just a little bit of murder ball and mm-hmm. there was an example where where the guy went to go grocery shopping and he went to buy some groceries and then uh someone someone stopped by to ask them if like they needed help to get in their, their car but then he's like if I needed help, then how did I get here? You know, it's just like, yeah. you know, they, they have like, like they, they can almost have function. like a narrow, narrow sense of what life is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of times that it comes from uh, wanting to help, you know, like a decent place. But a lot of, a lot of people, they just don't think before they speak, you know, so it makes them look like a dumbass. But like, uh, <laughs> there's a guy, on my old rugby team and he said he had a guy come up to him and he was transferring into the car and he had to break his chair down, you know, and he goes, Oh man, you want me to put that in your trunk for you? And he's like, well, sure. If you're going to follow me to my house, cause how the hell am I supposed to get it out of the trunk, dude? <laughs> <laughs> dude, I didn't think that far. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> right? I, know. I was like, Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, I remember I was watching rising Phoenix too. And I was sending pictures to a yeah. man. Oh, oh dude, those people were amazing. Dude, the dude was playing yeah. ping pong with his feet. His mouth? Like his, his with his mouth and the yeah. dude he was doing the archery with his archery. feet. Yeah, and the, dude, the dude who was running the 60 in the London or, uh-huh. or 100 meter, he actually ran a faster time than some of the dudes who were who weren't able who were able bodied in the yeah. normal Olympics. I looked that up and I was just so amazed. I was like I, I was amazed. Yeah, no, dude, that movie is incredible. I've watched it several times, actually. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually kind of crazy because, uh, I mean, you, I'm sure that you can see and feel their emotion while you're watching, but oh, like yeah. when they start talking about how uh, when they get into their sport or they get into their chair, you know, whatever, like it's just another realm and that's like yeah. their place, you know? And, oh, dude, I can watch that movie and I can literally just feel their emotion coming from them and makes some of that stuff, especially when the rugby one comes on, I'm I get fucking jacked, dude. I'm ready to yeah. get out, and get my chair, and play. Yeah. The the dude, the uh, lady who was doing um fencing, she had no arms and she had yeah. no legs and she had meningitis and yep. Oh my goodness, that was that was insane. The way like she got so excited and hyped yeah. when she was winning, it was so relatable because I was like, literally everything you worked for, you went through all this and you finally got to the big stage and you put out and you yep. won. Oh dude, that kind of like, it hit, it hit me in a different spot. Cause I was like, it wanted me to go outside and go like run a mile or something too. Yeah. No, no, you it's, that's really how it is. And that's, see, that's the thing, you know, like, I guess when you compare, um, like Emmanuel, as you were, you were kind of hinting at as we're like able-bodied people because they see somebody, that isn't fully functioning they don't necessarily think of them as less but they um they compare the disabled person hmm. to the able-bodied person you uh, know yeah, and it shouldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. It should yeah. more be like a comparison of person to person not function to function necessarily hmm. um mm-hmm. and so like in that sense you can everybody can relate to working their ass off for something you know going oh, yeah. through those trials and tribulations and then finally getting to where you want to get to and then just letting all that emotion go man like 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, yeah. it's awesome. But uh, so when they didn't get the oh, money for the... Oh, no, no, my fault. Your fault. You go, you go, you go. Oh, no, you can go. You're good. Oh, I was going to ask, can you pull up a, a pictures and some video for the audience so they can kind of so they can kind of see what oh, we're talking yeah, about? yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when they didn't get the money for their next uh, for the next games, I was like, dude, like this is people's whole lives. Like you need to get this done. Yeah. Like, Two months ahead of time. They didn't even know until a month out mm-hmm. from the Paralympics. Oh, man. And they were just this all was... training for for this one yeah. moment and they finally didn't get yep. get anything. And it's kind of like related. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. What? No, you're good. I was just going to say what's, what's crazy about it is, is uh, I had no idea. And I was already injured um, in 2015. So, like, mm-hmm. you would think that I would kind of be aware about it. But I didn't even have an idea that all of this just happened six years ago. You mm-hmm. know? So, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of crazy to think about. Something that I wanted to add is that, like, so kind of going back to what you said about how what you said about my comment about how able-bodied people look at people with disabilities and compare okay so here's here's what i think so so here's what i think it's like when i was watching rising phoenix it was almost more inspirational and entertaining to watch the the paralympics than the actual olympics did you feel do you feel the same because you're in this state like um, you, you see it as more inspiring or you see it m- more or less the same. So I, I see them about the same, I think, because I, I know that every athlete out there was working their ass off, you know, regardless, but I definitely can relate on another level watching the Paralympics and understanding that like, it's, it's more so than just working their ass off. Like they're, they're coming we're all coming from this challenge that we had to overcome on top of that. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. uh, pull up the picture? Yeah, I'll pull up the pictures. Sure. To see. It was just so amazing watching. And I was like, dude, no way. Like, like imagine her mental toughness or their mental toughness, just being able to do those things. And not only that, like, how do you think she feels like walking around? Like, and people, I don't know, at the beginning, like, I mean, eventually she had to accept it, but how she feels like people walking around, like looking at her a certain way because she literally has no arms, no legs, and she kind of has to walk with the metal and the robot. Well, not the yep. robot hands, but like the plastic hands and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it was amazing. Like like a me- her mental toughness, I don't think I'll ever reach that at all in my life. Yeah. You get so used to it. Uh, like, Well, sorry, your disability. You get so used to your disability mm. that – you don't you don't even think about anything you know like you just you view yourself as normal after a while and so yeah. like, there are times yeah. where you'll end up you'll you have somebody look at you weird or something and you're like why are they oh it's you know that's my disability like the like, craziest the craziest one that. was the dude that had no arms and he was doing the backstroke that one was crazy. oh yeah, yeah that yeah. one was insane <laughs> that one yeah. was insane. Where is he? You got to put para at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Oh, but but anyways, that's like, have you ever been in contact with any of these? Like, have you ever talked to any of these other people, too? Like, that uh, do these other sports as well? Oh, look, oh, there's, yeah. there's a Chris Ayoki right there. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck. Oh, Chuck, 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 Chuck. Yeah, my fault, my fault, yep. my fault. No, you're Sorry, Chuck. Chuck and Riley Bat. <laughs> He's going to beat me up. 
<laughs> dude, that's great. Dude, that that one just that one was amazing. Have you ever talked to any of these people that participate in these other sports as well? Uh, I've talked honestly. That's that's another thing. You know, like you have different variations of communities. We have our rugby community that we relate to more specifically because all most of us are quadriplegics. Um, and but then you have the disabled community that you relate to. But then you also have the adaptive community like the adaptive ah, athlete community that you relate mm. to. So like, mm. dude, every single athlete, we have the biggest adaptive athletics program, I believe in the world at U of A. Yeah. And every single athlete that I run into, we all like, even if it's the first time where, you know, like, what's up, dude, I just work on like, what's your name? What do you play? All this kind of stuff. It's, I don't know. We're already a family, so to speak. So yeah. I try to, mm. like, I really enjoy trying to know everyone that's in our program and then trying to like, I'm trying to go out, go out and go to different sports tennis basketball um track like just all their different ones do you um did you kind of get well not by default but you kind of got introduced to this world you kind of got into this world of rugby like what were the what are the options like for someone who gets disabled i guess in your in your place um a lot of it you end up finding out through your physical therapist or occupational mm -hmm. therapist okay um so but there's man there's there's stuff going on that's the cool thing about um you know like the the proactive movements for everything is the disabled community is is a part of that and so like the funding and the funding is really the biggest one you know to actually buy the equipment in order to do this stuff but mm -hmm. it's all growing so there's there's something out there everywhere you go even like i tried sled hockey five months after i got injured because uh -huh. uh, that was the only thing in Cincinnati. Yeah, and I should not have tried sled hockey because <laughs> I was not ready for that. <laughs> so I pretty much spent the entire practice on my lap because I couldn't sit myself up, and then I would fall left oh. or right, wait for somebody to get me off the ice. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it was Man. fun though. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> um, the sled hockey was it like field hockey or was it kind of like on ice? No, it's on ice. Yeah, you oh, you got a big um a big metal. Uh, it's not like a chair, like a sled, so to like speak. A sled, you yeah. Can you pull a picture of that up real quick, Emmanuel? Dude, so yeah. they either like, if you have legs, they tape your legs like to the sled and you have to like, you have to use the oh, the hockey thing to, to push yeah. and slide. And, dude, yep. it's, it was so sick. Like if I did this now, like I don't even know like how I, how I could do it. Well, that. there's some people that are double uh, blades or single blades and, like uh -huh. you see them, they're all the way on their side, and then they'll just come right back up. Except when I did that, I just stayed on my side. Oh, pull up the yeah, yeah. This one's crazy. That one's crazy. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Are they as nice they, as the Canadian people that play hockey? They go hard, man. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> they go hard. Oh, uh, dude, when you check somebody, like, how does that work? Like, does it work just like hockey? Like uh i didn't get enough into sled hockey to like fully oh, okay. understand all the specifics mm. on that but can we I, let's get into wheelchair rugby because i feel like mm. people like need to know this dude okay when when i first met travis he's like yo just look at the look at the wheelchair in the back dude that motherfucker was fucking heavy the <laughs> wheels on the side of the on the wheelchair were heavy dude like yeah you gotta be pounds, some type yeah. of strong to be able to wheel that around at a certain type of speed stop mm. kind of turn <laughs> oh dude you got to be some type of different yeah it's other than we've talked about it before because a lot of us have done wrestling uh different variations of boxing yeah 
like just, you know, really hard physically training sports and rugby has to be up there at one of the top. Like you got to train your endurance. You got to train your power, your mm-hmm. strength. It's, it's football and rugby mixed with the speed and the play of basketball, mm-hmm. you know, like, so at least football, you get a break in between plays yeah. and you go to your huddle or your offense or defense is on or whatever. But, and, uh, in rugby, it's, everything is constantly, the transition mm-hmm. is the biggest part of the game. So you can't take a break. You're constantly back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Back and forth. Yep. Like soccer. Oh, yeah. You kind of answered my question with what I was going to ask about, like, what kind of training and what kind of, like, mindset do you have to have? But it's just pretty similar to, you know, basketball, football, just rugby. Yeah. Just everything is really similar. Yeah. You know, so the, the biggest part with that stuff is, is, uh, you know, like basketball, you focus less on lifting and more on cardio and skill work and football. A lot of that is uh, your skills, obviously, and your footwork, but a lot of it's power too, you know, depending mm-hmm. on your position. And uh, so we kind of got to train a little bit of everything. So it's been a lot of trial and error, just kind of playing around with what works and then pretty much just busting your ass as much as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, uh, what, what do you train the most like when you're in the gym? Like what do you have to train for you specifically for your sport? So I do like, I literally do a little bit of everything. My uh, Mondays I'll do shoulders. So I'll have like heavier compound lifts of like mm-hmm. presses and stuff where I'll mix it up. And sometimes I'll go heavy, low reps. Sometimes I'll do mid range or high. And then I'll do a lot of um, like just isolating work. And then I'll do some, some cardio afterwards. Tuesday, we're in our chair for like two hours practicing. Wednesday, I'll do a chest and back, same kind of concept, heavier compound movements with a little bit of mix uh thursday practice friday cardio Saturday you do like any explosive work like yeah explosive yes. work with bands and like medicine balls and stuff like that yeah not not a ton with bands we do more of it in our chairs so like we'll do okay. like explosive sprints and stuff and i'll throw a weight vest on or throw some sandbags on my chair and do like hill sprints explosive work or but i do it with uh with uh, like the bench press or something, you know, I modify it to where like I'll go a slow three seconds down and just explode as hard as I can up. Mm. Like I haven't done this before, but I'm trying to like, like, uh, like kind of make hill sprints with running synonymous with the wheelchair, like sprints. And you have a vest on dude. Like, no, no chance. No. (laughs) What's great is I got really fat after I got injured and I had no muscle. So I lost mm. 40 pounds in two weeks after my injury and it was yeah. all muscle. Nice. And, um, mm. so I was there like, dude, just eat, you know, eat whatever you want. Your family's bringing you food, like you're injured, you're recovering. So you need a lot of calories. And I'm like, well, I mean, I can eat. So I did, yeah. I did that and I got really fat. So I got like 190 of just pure bowling ball fat in my, in my chair. And uh, then I, I dropped all the way back down to like 140 and now I sit at like 150. So that's a 40 pound difference. And I'll throw my 40 pound weight vest on. And I'm just like, how the hell did I weigh this much and expect to even be able to do anything? Dude, no shot. Then you're trying to sprint and you're trying to compete at a high level with those other guys too. No way. I couldn't even move. I couldn't pick the ball up off the ground dude it hit me different like being three months out and i'm like bro i used to sprint and like try to steal bases and and now i'm just sitting here like watching movies the whole day like yeah i don't know if i want to do that work again <laughs> oh we have a dog approaching oh hi dude, such a cute you dog. gotta say hi you climbed up on my lap <laughs> shy 
Yeah. He's so, been on me once we play with him. <laughs> yeah. So I know we have like those different classifications in uh, wheelchair rugby. You have It goes from 0.5 all the way up to 3. And uh, so the 3 yeah, is the 3. most 5. able body. 3.5 and the 3.5 is the most able body. Where which which means yeah. they have more function for yep. everybody at home. <laughs> yeah, the classes are are based off your neurological function, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a whole. To put it as simply as possible, it involves your how much trunk you have, how much hand function you have, and how much upper body function you have in your arms and chest. Okay, what would yeah. you be classified as? I'm a 1.5, so yeah, 1.5. I, I don't have um, full triceps on either side. I have uh, a little bit of back missing on both sides. Um, and so because I don't have full upper body and wrist function, that that's typically what a two is. Um, they have mm-hmm. no hands, but they have full tricep, bicep, and back. Um, and so I'm right below that. And then uh, 0.5 which is one of my roommates, he is just biceps and Chris, shoulders yeah, and like just mainly upper back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is there somebody who's uh that can like uh, float through classifications? They could also classify like as a 1.5 and a two. Yeah, that actually happens a lot. Um, really? There's a lot of talk in our sport. I'm trying to dial the classification system in because <laughs> at the end of the day, they, they grade your neurological function, but everyone's so different. And then they try to watch you play and make the best decision that they can. That there's some people that'll be in a class um, that's at the higher end of the function. And then there's some people that enter class that are all the, all the way at the bottom, you know? So then they're having to fight function to compete against everyone in their class, not even just like actual physicality. So yeah, can you, are you able to, are you able to have full function of your hands or no? No, no, no. They do. So like this, that's how my hands are naturally. There's this thing called tenodesis. So when I raise my wrist up, it closes my hands. Actually, it'll happen to your guys' hands too if you try it. Just relax and then see how your fingers kind of curl. And then over (laughs) time, bars get uh, they get tighter and tighter. And then you learn to just use them to do everyday function stuff. Mm. That's so interesting. That's super interesting. Something we talked about off camera too is about how you had to have like water to act as sweat for you yeah yeah, yeah. can yeah. you talk about that, that? Yeah. yeah so uh, what are the other like things that came along with your injury as well not just not just you not being able to have full function anymore um man yeah so really i think the big the two biggest ones would be that you don't realize how inaccessible a lot of places are until you go somewhere and you're like where the hell is the ramp you got to push it feels like a mile down the road to get up on it or or if you have somebody with you they can bump you up um but the other thing was just the temperature regulation i i run really hot and rugby for whatever reason i guess because it's so physically demanding i just get insanely hot so uh, i carry around a spray bottle because i can't sweat because of my injury it's mm-hmm. it's kind of weird how it ends up ends up working my theory is is that uh in order to get input you know, your body normally receives input from okay. your skin or from something that you're hot and then it signals everything. And so our signal is broken. You know, that bridge has collapsed. So it's not getting there. And I think that has something to do with it. But so I carry a, a bottle around that's filled with water yeah. and I spray myself when I get hot. And then it helps kind of helps act as like a sweating mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Like I would have never thought that would be 
an actual thing until I talked to you. Yeah. Many people even uh, it's, it's more, I think it's a higher level injury thing too. Cause a lot of times uh, spinal cord injuries, they'll sweat above the level of their injury. Um, but I guess for whatever reason with quadriplegics, they, their injury level is so high, it's kind of hit or miss, you know? Um, but mm. there's a lot of the basketball players and tennis players I'll carry around the sprayer and they're like, Hey, why do you have that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'll just be like, Oh, like I, I can't temperature regulate. I get really hot, especially in Arizona. So I got to spray myself. They're like, really? You're like, mind yeah. your own business, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nobody talked to you. <laughs> mind your own business. Well, funny thing is, is I started bringing it to my brother's baseball games in the summer back in Ohio. And uh, some of the little kids would come up and like, what is that? And then I would ask me to spray them and I would spray them. And then one <laughs> of the girls and their family, they got one and they started bringing it. And then my dad and my sister, they'll have like squirt water wars or whatever. Water <laughs> Yo, that's low-key a pretty good invention though. Like if you're hot, just like spray yourself. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, like I just in general too. <laughs> Bro, you should oh, make a... Good. You should do wheelchair mods, bro. Like, uh, like a like a car mod. Like, do wheelchair mods. Like, you gotta put like a you gotta put like a fan right here with the with the squirting water bottle that blows mist on you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So um, this question just popped in my head. Like, when you like, like when you guys fight, like when two people fight, like how does that work? Like, like how would that work? Uh, like when you guys fight. So I mean, it depends. Like on you guys like throwing hands, like. Are you just like, you're like, hold up, let me, you're like, hold up, let me, let me even get a fish. And like, you start swinging or what? Oh, yeah, it's, it's just straight haymakers. If we're throwing punches, it's haymakers. We're, <laughs> we're probably falling out of our chair afterwards. So. Dude. So, or we try to, or we'll try to grab their chair, you know, and then flip them out. Cause that's oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's Dude. funny. That's funny. Yeah. So Have you ever got boxing? Wheelchair Actually, boxing? Wheelchair yeah. boxing is the thing? You got to pull that up. You have yeah. to pull that up. Wheelchair boxing. I think it's higher functioning. Higher functioning people, but they pretty much just square up next to each other and then just trade blows. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, that's so sick. Oh, I see. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing that? Oh, man. My, my buddy's the one that texted me. He's sitting in the group chat. He goes, dude, Travis, you got to do this. <laughs> oh, shit. Dude, <laughs> dude, put a, pull a video. A video? video. <laughs> Here we go. Starting here. Yep. Dude, this is some country ass Square shit you find in Ohio. <laughs> Yo, is this what they're doing in Ohio, bro? <laughs> oh, they have people hold them too. Oh, that's so oh yeah, because your chair's going over if not. Mm, okay. Oh, dude, he knocked me out easy. There's no shot. <laughs> they had some good help. Easy. That's so dope. <laughs> That's a hell of a core workout, though. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Dude, that dude's jacked in the left chair. Definitely. That dude's jacked. Oh, God. Ooh. 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 Weave. Ah. <laughs> dude, they get dude, down. Okay. And we're at, back in, I guess it's it's not quite Cincinnati, but it's close to Cincinnati. They did a uh, like a bar crawl, except it was like 40 bars all around the state of Ohio and in the southwest mostly area. And they all took two employees or they would pay somebody and they would train for like two months. And then mm -hmm. they came down and then they had this big ass boxing tournament. And then they have 
alcohol and food truck set up and then you go and you just get hammered and watch these these uh different <laughs> different breweries compete against each other it was not oh bro that sounds like that. so much fun that does sound that fun. sounds like a hell of a good time yeah, have you awesome. have, did you have you like uh, considered like actually like going to practice and like doing this i would love doing it i haven't actually considered it but i wouldn't mind especially uh some of the other guys in our league you know you got some yeah. beef with them yeah just, all right Right up. The guy on your team, you're like, got one. You're like, got one. <laughs> you're like, yo, put on some yeah. gloves real quick. I think right, you're good on the video. Yeah. But um <laughs> that's that's so <laughs> sick. Yeah, that is pretty dope. Dude, if you okay, like a completely random question too. Like we were talking about this, like me and Emmanuel texting, like if you like could you like if you if they trap if they strap like rockets like to your chair like would you would you want that like would you like would you would you be cool with that uh, like if it was like america's got talent they like they they strapped rockets to your chair would you be dope with I'd that i'd be down to try it but i feel like i would need a, a different chair i i get going more than like five mm. miles an hour this thing feels like it's gonna fall apart so oh <laughs> i'm gonna need a little different chair to try that out in my cousin was pushing me in vegas one time and we were we were already hammered and uh, he was he was sprinting through the casinos, you know, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold like, on. Chill. So he thought that I didn't have uh, balance, you know. So I'm like, turn yeah. left, and he just cuts hard left, and I just went straight out the side of the chair. <laughs> so, you throw yeah, up after that? Fun. You fell on the floor? Oh, no. Like, oh, no, no, no. Some people were right there. They got me back in, and we went and started gambling again. So. Are you are you a are you like a blackout guy? Are you a are you a baby? Are you baby your drinks? Nah, I'm a I'm the perfect in between. Okay, that's good. Yeah, nice. I black out a couple of times. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't, but I'd make <laughs> sure that that doesn't happen in Vegas because mm-hmm. I don't trust anybody there. Yeah, I'll make get, a hangover. But yeah, I think ham or hangovers are just not even a thing in Vegas. Something in the air. Oh, dude, it has to be. Yeah. Did do you uh did you uh do you drink electrolytes or electrolytes like right before? I mix one uh, in like I mix one in before, then I mix one in like m- midday, just so I don't. Oh uh, really? So nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, I do like water, and I might buy a Gatorade, but mm. uh, pretty much just we're just going going with the flow. <laughs> like I know that I'm when we go to Vegas, I'm trashing my body for like four days straight. <laughs> what do you like playing in the casino? Uh, craps. Oh, easy, easy. Craps, my go-to, dude. I won a thousand dollars off twenty bucks. <laughs> wow did you leave did you yeah. leave or did you bet the bet the grand no no i ended up leaving but it was oh dude it was a whole night man it was it was fucking awesome dude <laughs> the, the las vegas Knights were playing in the postseason when we were there and it was a home game so uh the game was on in the casinos and we were in new york new york and it was sold out like dude everywhere it was fucking packed they had a dj in the middle and we were in there jamming some random dude was gambling with us and my cousin and i are just like like throw 500 down, you know, throw 200 down. <laughs> and we, we would miss some, but then we would hit it, you know, and go up big. And, oh, dude, it was, it was insane. And then at one point, so the, the team ended up winning. The Las Vegas team ended up winning, and the crowd was just going nuts. Like, it's, you know, and uh, they put on Journey, and uh, the whole <laughs> casino, dude, the DJ just shut the Journey off right at the chorus, and the whole, whole casino was finishing it out singing and it was it was fucking awesome man <laughs> dude that sounds fun that's that fun. Yeah, fun it was cool dude i tell this story all the time but there was a uh, in call co- in college there 
there was a dude he jumped off the porch into like a pile of beer cans and he ended up like breaking his collarbone <laughs> and, and so yeah. we had a baseball house in college in uh, oh, yeah. bethany uh that man was crazy and we had another yeah. dude he was a uh, i think it was somebody else's birthday but he was sliding down the stairs and the stairs were like super sleep and his hands hit the hit the stairs like full palm and he mm-hmm. flipped over and he broke his nose oh damn uh, those are the house. best memories and the best parties honestly i'm never gonna forget oh, that yeah. like i know it was something oh, stupid yeah. but like i'm never gonna forget that like yep. that was so fun <laughs> we had my buddies ended up getting a four-bedroom house and uh one of them when i got super hammered and fell down the stairs and put his head through the wall and so <laughs> when we came back in dude there's just a giant hole in the wall sitting at the bottom of the steps for like a couple of months dude it would have been funny if you just found him there like head in the wall and he's just yeah just stopped <laughs> You'd have been like, dude, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like, oh, <laughs> You'd <been> like, oh. <laughs> oh what? Hello? Yeah, you good? He went around one night. And he he was so hammered. He's like, hey, how many push-ups do you think I can do? And they would tell him, <laughs> and then he would get down and start doing as many push-ups. Dude, he was covered in sweat. He had his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, man. We used to get rowdy over there. Do me before a date. You know, let's see how many push-ups I can do. Like <laughs> get that pump on. Yo, Haiki, we all do that. Any any guy oh, can't yeah. any guy can't lie. Oh yeah. But before a party, like me and me and homies would just chill in the chill in the dorm and we'd just be like hammering out push-ups real quick right. <laughs> before we go to a party. You can't you can't hammer too much though, because then you don't get sweaty. Oh yeah, then it's nasty. Then mm. the cologne drips off and the deodorant yep. doesn't last anymore. And it's just nasty. I don't know, dude. There were a lot of blonde girls at college. I don't know if I'm a I'm a fan, but not like when that's the only option. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, need a little variety. Yeah, I need a little variety. I need a little Asians in my life. Some melanin. Arizona's got all kinds. Shout of out, people. shout out, Diego. <laughs> Koreans. <laughs> yeah, Arizona's got every walk of life out here. That's why you like it so much here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna complain about that. <laughs> Have you been to Phoenix yet? Uh, just a couple of times. Just a couple I haven't of been up there to party or anything. Yeah. Um, where'd you go in Phoenix? Uh, we just went up play rugby a couple of times, and actually, before I even came out here for school, um, my stepmom's family had like a little timeshare thing up in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. so we did that. It's so nice in Scottsdale. It's like all green yeah. water. Yeah. Then you come down to Tucson, and it's just like straight yeah. dirt and Palo yeah. Verde everywhere. Right? <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, Scottsdale's got a lot of money. Scottsdale has too much money that they don't want to share. It's yeah. facts. Yeah, it's all like Dude, green. All that green, bro. All that green. And I know like there's no homeless people like Emmanuel. Like, like there's homeless people, like you've seen homeless people, but down here there's a lot. Like there's a ton. There's mm, homeless yeah. people downtown, like just camping out, like it's free and stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of unless you experience it, like you really don't. Like, you really don't know what it's like, honestly. Yeah. I had, like, a couple more questions. Like, do you feel like there's, like, a about, like, your injury and, like, being in a being a quadriplegic and stuff like that? Do you feel like there's, like, societal, like, expectation of you, like, like to be this certain type of way and, like, this person? Um, well, I think currently the societal expectation is that uh, quadriplegics don't or aren't a uh, productive member of society. So I'm trying mm. to prove that wrong. Mm. Uh, you know, 
get out, make a name. Like the biggest thing is exposure. You know, the more people that uh, see people in wheelchairs out doing things, the more normal it becomes. And then, you know, might change a little bit. Plus it's, it's better for the community to get out and do stuff instead of sitting at home doing nothing. So I was going to ask like, this might sound like a corny question, but are there any advantages that you have that other people see as disadvantages? Um, I mean, parking, that's not a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. But it, it depends on where you go. Cause if you go to, you know, like a hospital, there's always old people that are just fill the handicap spots. So they can't ever find a spot, but mm. now, uh, true. That's true. <laughs> parking's not a bad one. Um, we get like, it's going <laughs> to, it's going to sound kind of whatever, but like, you know, people are generally like teachers, especially are generally more understanding of when shit happens to us than uh, say, you know, just another student, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, Oh dude, like I had some issues, whatever. They're like, Oh, you need, you need a couple extensions. Like, yeah. All right, cool. You know, but if like another student goes up and they're like, yo, I had some shit happen. They're like, yeah. So did 10 other people get in line. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Dude, that's why the COVID, that's why the COVID thing, I milked it, bro. I milked it so much. When everything was on Zoom, I mil- I milked it. I was just at baseball and I was like, you know what? Like the Wi-Fi wasn't working in my dorm. Like I, I can't turn my assignments in. I'm sorry. And they'd be like, yeah. oh, okay. And they kind of they kind of can't say no. Right? Yeah, they can't because it was new for everybody at that point. And they know, and they know we're bullshitting too. It's it's not yeah, even funny. It's a secret. It's a secret. They're like really like a minute yeah. before the assignments do. Like all of a sudden, your Wi-Fi doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> there's actually there's another one too that's like uh, I don't know. It kind of jumps into what I want to do for research eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called autonomic dysreflexia, and. Okay. We- there's been a lot of discussion between me and, and some of my, uh, my one roommate and some people I know. And we're basically, it's like uh, something's going on below your level of injury. And your body just kind of sets off all these alarms to try to tell you, hey, something's going on. You know, like you need to investigate, see what it is, because we don't know if it's okay or not. Yeah. So like you could be, I could sit on, be sitting on my balls or something, you know, and like nobody wants oh. to do that. So oh uh, hmm. yeah so it could yeah. be it could be that or like hmm. i could break my toe or something so mm-hmm. um but it, like part of what it does is it puts your body in that fight mode you know so like your sympathetic nervous system just goes crazy yeah, so it yeah, starts yeah, spiking yeah. your blood pressure you'll get like uh like goosebumps and stuff and get these weird cold chills but you also get like unlimited energy so it's like you get a hmm. shot of adrenaline so okay. like i can i can do twice as much while that's happening when, that I can when I'm not using it. Um, but the issue is, is it's a dangerous thing. And they tell you to stay away from it when you're in the hospital, because uh, you can have a stroke because your blood pressure just keeps rising and rising and rising and then you hemorrhage. Um, so obviously that's not good, but there's gotta be some kind of physiological benefits that we can learn from it. And that's what I want to do for research. So I guess you could say it's a benefit for my injury. Um, but then again, we have blood pressure issues and all these different issues, temperature regulation to begin with. So does mm-hmm. it just put us back to normal or does it put us above normal? 
Mm, I suppose for the research, you just have to do a lot of blood work and more, and you kind of have to do a lot of, yeah. a lot of distinctions, especially with, let's say like uh base and appearance, like what, what are kind of like some of the signs that you can literally look and detect it about it. Especially oh yeah. That, like the chills and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but you don't really get into the real meaty stuff and of the why until you do a bunch of blood work and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of theories that I've uh, luckily gained through my self-experience like i'm just going to be the research person you know i'm going to be the one doing it on myself and then have try to have a team come in and like we work together um but like i've i've asked a lot of my professors different questions so i have a lot of theories that i want to test anyway that um that are sort of proven correct up to this point i really i really like that i really like that because i feel that introspection kind of gives you gives you more knowledge than a lot of people too, especially being in that situation. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's where the best work comes from, too, because nobody really nobody can tell you what you're feeling besides you. And you're like, yeah, if I feel yeah. this, like there's there's no chance like other people. There's billions of people on this planet. There's no way that somebody yeah. else doesn't feel the same way. Mm. Yep. And even yeah, then, like I, when you break it down, like and you describe it, it's kind of like more so putting it in terms of where it sounds educated and other people can digest it. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy thing. Not even uh, everybody gets it either. So mm-hmm. it's weird. Like I'll have it sometimes. Uh, like if you pull the hair on my legs, I'll get it. But yeah. I also ripped my big toenail off one time and didn't didn't have a clue. So it didn't. It's weird how in- inconsistent it is. Interesting. What are, what are some of your theories that you're thinking about right now? Like what a. Um. So one of the theories is that, uh, like why it ends up running your body to be able to do more is that it just um kind of what's what's the saying where we move the troops you know like get all the troops like a fight or flight thing yeah so it um and it just uses everything that you have in your body at that moment to try to just you know like get you through whatever's going on so Mm -hmm. if you're using it while you're exercising you're just running through your nutrients you know your sugar your all this different kinds of stuff um because when you come off of it there's this massive crash yeah you know, you're like oh my yeah. gosh you, you get like low blood sugar feelings yeah mm. what's that uh what's that state called the it's state like of it... what you're actually going through it is it's just autonomic dysreflexia okay. like as a whole okay. yeah okay yep. and do you feel like with uh with like your introspection you can kind of make like more distinctions within autonomic dys- dysreflexia yeah yeah absolutely i think you know, I'm, I'm trying to educate myself as much as possible and everything, but I also want a team of people who specialize in different things, you know, like a, a chemist or a physiologist or somebody who really knows their specific area. And then we all kind of come together and throw different input from everything and just learn from everything. Because it's a whole, mm. like, mm. It, it literally sends your entire body, you know, so it's got to be a little bit of everything. Mm. Do you feel like then when you have so many smart people to be some type of ego that prevents you from getting that information? Um, unfortunately, I think that does happen in science. I would try uh, to wean out, you know, like I want to try to form the team and do my best with kind of like interviewing and stuff like that, almost like hiring. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured it all out yet. Um, but now it definitely does happen to where scientists disagree and you know, they get hard-headed. They get stubborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course. See, I think it was interesting, too, that we had a conversation off camera 
about how how like in a way you get the best of both worlds with sciences because like before like you knew a lot about uh you're really interested in the body and and the science of how that works you know for someone who's not a paraplegic but now that you are a paraplegic you have both kind of like both information as your arsenal in a way so i think it's pretty dope yeah actually quadriplegic is the correct term so. oh yeah yeah my bad i use paraplegic no, uh, it's okay. Actually, yeah, a lot bad. of people. I was thinking. I was thinking of a song lyric. <laughs> uh, okay. A lot of people think um, just because somebody can move their arms, they think that they're a para. Um, okay. But mm. I think it, it more so has to do with your where your initial spinal cord injury is. Mm. Mm. Okay. Thanks um, for educating. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Is there Not like here. with that like is there certain like etiquette and like understanding like you wanna kind of leave the audience with or even kind of leave us like is there a certain type of etiquette like absolutely like don't ask this question or do ask this question or kind of like don't treat um, us like we're less than or some stuff like that yeah so two main roles would be everybody is different so some people are sensitive about stuff some people aren't uh and, and you got to be leery you know you can't like i'm the kind of guy that would just say whatever to anybody and and you got it. You can't do that sometimes. Um, but the second thing kind of helps along with the first thing. And it's, it's just talk to people with disabilities like they're a normal person. You know, oftentimes that whole don't judge a book by its cover thing comes into play. You might see somebody that's disabled and, and that dude might be a genius, you know, and you don't know. And you think because he looks a certain way that he is a certain way. And so yeah, you just got to treat everybody, you know, as a, a normal person. That makes sense. Yeah, like yeah. Stephen Hawking. That man's a genius. Yep. Yeah, unbelievably smart. There's a lot of people. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do this blind reacts? Let's get this going. I know we reacted to like two videos already, <laughs> but let's just get this. Let's just get this all good. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have you seen Ooh, this? Uh, no, but um, I think I know who this is. Aaron. Yep. Bob Aaron Wheels. Aaron Wills, yeah, dude, that's badass. Yeah, so dope. That is bad, man. <laughs> that's so dope. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's just crazy to see that, like, even in that state, you can just do anything. Like, oh, do you think yeah. you, do you think you could ever see yourself doing something like this? Yeah, like, you push yourself. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I would try it, but. That guy's that you got to be like evil, can evil crazy to try some shit like that. So, <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, I, I, mean, I guess <laughs> again, do one little thing goes wrong and you're done. Boom. Yeah, dude, imagine that guy doesn't hit that flip right and he lands straight on his. Oh, uh, that's that's how people get hurt. They're on dirt bikes and they're doing flips, and you know, like, I don't know about that. Or he just hits the front of the ramp, he hits it, the wheel gets stuck, he flips over, broken. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, and then right. another thing is broken. We should call the jackass guys. I bet they would. <laughs> Dude, Johnny Knoxville would totally do that. Have you seen the newest one, the Jackass Forever? Uh, no, I need to. Chris said it was really good, but there's a lot of penis in it. I'll just tell you that. There's <laughs> 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 too much for my liking. Yeah. Okay. All right, we gotta we gotta react. We gotta we gotta wrap it up. Wrap it up then. <laughs> All right, boys. 
I'm sorry. I know this is a great conversation with Mr. Baker, Ernest, and Emmanuel, but we have to wrap it up. We're running out of time, and uh, his iPad's at 5%. So, <laughs> so you already know the drill. You can follow me on Instagram at underscore E Armentum. You can follow my lifting page at IV Lifts. And please follow the Blindfold Off podcast page at Blindfold Off Podcast on Instagram. And you can follow Emmanuel at, at Emmanuel LKD on Instagram and all other social platforms. Mm-hmm. Listen to his new album. Grab his merch. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Haven't. Check out Carlos Guzman's merch. Live, love, love it. And where can the people contact you? And then you have no socials. Besides, where can the people contact you? Send you great letters. Send you thank yous. Send you, we loved having you on. Send you something nice. Where can the people contact you? Uh, I mean, I do Facebook. So you guys can send me a request request out there. But uh, not just just keep up to date with um, U of A, Adaptive Athletics. U of A wheelchair rugby. Uh, Oscar Mike just posted some stuff from this last nationals on YouTube. That's at the USWRA YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the USA low point team. I just recently made the practice squad. So yeah, follow mm, yeah. On the, let's go the same website too. So yeah, man, cutting six more people here in two months. We yes, uh, got an international tournament we play. So that sounds like fun. Oh, that's exciting, man. That is exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. Happy for you. Yeah, let's go. Um, oh, yeah. Before we go, follow the Patreon. Patreon, donate. Please donate. It gives us a gives us a lot of motivation and encouragement to keep this going. And it shows us that you guys like our content. So please, please donate to our Patreon. It should be live, really, really live by this time. So please donate. And without further ado, that's going to wrap it up. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Ernest Armenta. And I'm your host, Emmanuel LKD. And we loved having Travis Baker on. Travis, Travis you want to leave the people with anything so else? Much. Tra- no, no, that's that's it, man. This, this, was, uh, this was a lot of fun. This was a great time. I think everybody should check out your podcast. Good. I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad Travis decided to come on. And you, uh, you decided to share a whole new world and a lot of knowledge and insight with the people and especially us. We learned a lot today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Travis. Oh yeah. Thank you. All right. Again. Peace out y'all. Peace. Peace. Peace.